All right, let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for your uh, word. I thank you for the anointing. Give me utterance. Father, we all set our faith in agreement to hear from you today. Father, I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding for each individual here. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Zoe, Life of God, Part 4. Our jumping off scripture today is 1 John 5 and verse 11. 1 John 5 and verse 11. It says this, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, or perpetual Zoe, instantly and constantly renewed life. And this life is in His Son. Now, I want you to notice that it says that God hath or has given to us eternal life. Is that future tense, present, or past? It's past. It has given. Has given. So it's already been given to us. It's not going to give it to us. He's already given it to us. Go to the next one for me, Sean. John 3 and verse 36 says this, He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now look at this. It says, He that believes on the Son hath life. Is that past tense, present tense, or future? It's, it's present tense. If you believe, you're in the middle of believing. Do you see that? He believes God. And you have it. It says, He that believes God has everlasting life. Mike, you, Mike has a Bible right now. Does that mean that he got it in some time past? Yeah, sometime past he picked up the Bible. He doesn't get it right. He didn't have it right. I mean, he has it in his possession, but he took an action prior to now to get in the Bible. Do you all follow on that? So when you believe is the action that gives you eternal life. Not someday in the sweet by and by. You all find, I know it sounds technical, but we, we kind of blow over this stuff because most, of, most religions teach you that you get it when you get to heaven, that eternal life starts after you die here on the planet. Isn't that what we were kind of taught? Not kind of. They full out throw it out there. If you were to die tonight, where would you go? Heaven or hell? Well, you know what? If you're born again, you ain't dying tonight. Or the next night, or the night after that. Because it's appointed unto man once to die, and then it's over. And then says, then comes the judgment. I mean, no, but if you have eternal life, you can't die, can you? If it's the same life that Jesus has, can Jesus die now? No, can God die? No, so then you, you got it now. You can't die either unless you decide to physically lay down your body like Jesus did. Then that's on you. You, you found that. Now, we got into more in-depth than this in healing school, so I don't want to take a lot of time right now to, to, to rehash that stuff. But go to the next one. We saw this, that there's three Greek words in the New Testament for life. Bios, suke, and zoe. Now, in your English Bible... It'll say the word life on all three of these. And it'll mess you up if you don't know that there's a difference. And you might have to go to your esword.net or your Strong's Concordance and then verify which life is it talking about. Bios, we all know that. It's temporary. It's uh, plant life, animal life. We get the word biography and biology from it. Suke is our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. It's immortal. It never dies. But immortal means it is what it is. It won't cease to exist, but it's not made new every morning. That's what Zoe is. Every second, it's eternal, it's perpetual, it's constantly on full. All, really, we're all looking for that. That's why the Energizer Bunny, right? We're looking for a battery that lasts longer. We want better fuel mileage on our gas tanks. Because you know why? Because stuff isn't perpetual. Even in science, they haven't been able... That You ever heard the, the theory of perpetual motion? They haven't, it's, not, it's just a theory. They haven't been able to work it out yet in physics. Zoe, it is perpetual. It's not a theory. It's for real. Instantly and constantly brand new. Go to the next one. We saw this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10. It says this, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, the Zoe of Jesus, might be made manifest in our body. So here's the key to having 
here's the key to the entrance to having Jesus' life be made manifest so everybody could see it in your body, is that Jesus died. Nothing that you did can pull it off, it's that Jesus died. So that's at the forefront of your thinking that what Jesus did is the key of the entrance into me having the same life that Jesus had. Now, I underline might because it might show up, but in most cases it might not, and that's where most of the body of Christ lives. They live in the might not. And you know what? Most of the body of Christ can't get over the fact that just because Jesus did was enough, that's the key to get into it. Because they're always trying to do the thing, and what do I have to do? And that way, even though we're asking that too, aren't we? What do I have to do to have this life show up? Yeah. Aren't we? Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, go to the next one. We saw this. I'm going to go over this again because I want to keep driving it home till, we, till it's first nature, not second nature. We saw this in these scriptures up here that are on the screen. In John 1, 1 through 4, and Hebrews 11, 3, Proverbs 3, and Proverbs 8, we saw that wisdom is the same thing as the Word, and we saw that the written Word is also the same thing as Jesus. Remember that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the, Jesus is called the written Word, then we see that the written Word in the Old Testament is called wisdom. Now, if, if you don't know the written Word, can you have wisdom? Not the kind that comes from above. If you don't know the written word, do you know Jesus? Can you know Jesus? So all these people going around saying how much they love Jesus, do they love the written word? That's our question, isn't it? Because if you love the written word, then you love Jesus. You can't love Jesus without loving the written word. We saw in Proverbs 4, verse 7, it said that wisdom is the principal thing. With all your understanding, get her. So the principal thing means it's the number one thing, isn't it? Go to the next. Oh, we saw this. That Jesus is called the Prince of Life and He's also called the Prince of Peace. Go to the next one. Now, real quick review because what I'm going to give you the equation to how to get life and peace is wisdom, which is the written word, which comes from Jesus because that's the life of Jesus that we want to show up. See how we're backing it up? Okay, Romans 8 and verse 6 says this, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life, zoe, and peace. Life comes and then you get peace. Now remember, we spent about, I don't know, 26 weeks on hearing God for myself, and we talked about having a spiritual mindset. Remember that? Spiritual mindset. Here's the result of having a spiritual mindset is that you get life, and then you get peace. Go to the next one. We saw in Malachi 2 and verse 1, it says, Oh, now, you priests, who's a priest? Every believer is a priest. This commandment is for you. You shall know, in verse 4, that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, that's the tribe of priests, said the Lord of hosts. And my covenant, in verse 5, was with him of life and peace. Life and peace. Go to the next one. Proverbs 3, in verse 1. I'm going fast because we, we did this last week. My son, forget not my law, which is the written word, which is wisdom, but let thine heart keep my commandments, which is what? What's commandments? Rhema, okay. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. So you get life and then you get peace. Now, we saw that the uh, Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Go to the next one. And here's all that shalom is. It brings. It's seven parts of health, really. Spiritual health, safety, financial health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, and social health. If you get wisdom, wisdom will bring life, and life brings peace, which is the seven part uh, health. Now, if you don't have spiritual health, if you don't have safety, if you don't have financial health right now, if you don't have physical health or mental health, emotional health, or social health, it's because you're not operating in the Zoe life of God. We'll back that up. It's because you're not using wisdom to make your decisions. Remember that from last week? So
So at any time that you're not experiencing peace in your life, you could always back it up to you didn't make a decision somewhere based on the Word. Right? We got that. Now, look, this spiritual health, I, I want to go over this real quick because I told you this a couple weeks in a row that, let me ask the question, who here is equal with Jesus? We all know that we're equal with Jesus, right? I want to show you that, now, now what if I, I, I jack that up a notch? Who's equal with God the Father? Anybody say that? Alright, come on over here to Philippians 2. Because if you understand your position, this is spiritual health, that you're an equal with Jesus, that you're an equal with the Father, if you understand that, then all this other stuff will fall into place. If you don't understand that, you'll never have, because you'll never have peace if you don't understand that, because you'll think you'll always be trying to work it to be accepted by God. Isn't that what religion does? They're always trying to do something to be accepted. Well, look here in verse, uh, we'll start up verse 1. If therefore there be any consolation in Christ. You know what consolation is? Comfort when you're disappointed. Is there any comfort when you're disappointed in Christ? If there is, he said, and if there's any comfort of love, do we get comfort from love? Sure we do. That's why we're all looking for love, so we can be comforted. Is there any fellowship of the Spirit? Is there any bowels and mercies? It means uh, that we all, uh, compassion is really, it's a, it's a, Figure of speech Paul's using for tender mercies and compassions. He said, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. So he's telling all of us together that we should all be like-minded and have this same mindset. Isn't that what he's saying? And let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of the others. Let this mind, now he's going to tell us what lowliness of mind is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't we have the mind of Christ? We do. And he's telling us, you have this same mindset that was in Christ Jesus. Buckle up, you ready? Here's what this mindset is that he's telling you to have. It's the same that Jesus had. Verse 6. Who, here's his mindset, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Did you all see that? Here's Jesus' mindset. He's in the form of God. Was He made in God's image? Are you made in God's image? So you're in the form of God? Oh, so is it robbery for you to say that I'm equal with God? No. Did did you all see that? Now, we're just reading the Bible. Don't shoot me. People say, that's heresy. Even in here, we we could be equal with Jesus. We could almost make that jump. To be equal with the Father? Isn't that even a bigger jump? Isn't that what it says, though? It ain't preacher's words. We're reading the Bible, right? If you don't get a hold of that, the rest of them can't fall into place. Because if you know that you're equal with the Father, you ain't always trying to work out something to make Him like you better. And if you know that you're equal with the Father, you know He ain't putting nothing on you like sickness, and He ain't making you poor. He ain't beating you down with the bug smacker. Right? So if you don't understand that, you'll never ever get peace. That's the very first. If you that brings such peace, if you can just meditate on that and realize, wait, God the Father and Jesus the Son see me as their equal. Why? Because Jesus died. Nothing that I do. That's why I want to keep that in the forethought of my head because that's what is the key is to giving the Zoe life of God show up in my body. This is, I mean, mind blowing stuff, right? Yeah, that's why you've got to meditate on it. You've got to think, well, all right, so what does this mean that I'm equal with the Father? 
It means that if God doesn't have this problem, I shouldn't have this problem. And if I'm having this problem, it's because why? Uh, my Zoe's not operating. Because my Zoe's not operating, it's because I made a decision that wasn't based on the filter of the Word. Because how I many know God makes every decision that He makes is based on this Word? Do you know that? Every, he don't do anything outside this. If you're equal with Him, and you want to have the same results that He has, you've got to make your decisions nowhere outside of this written Word. Y'all found that? Because God built us in the form of Him. That means we can make choices. Can God make choices? He makes a lot of choices. Some of them we don't understand. But how many know we make choices that we don't understand? Don't we? So you know what? When we start figuring out and understanding why we made choices, then we can ask God why He made His. Right? But let's not like, you know, that's the whole thing Jesus said, you know, don't take the... uh, Take the telephone pole out of your eye before you take the splinter out of your brother's. If we're equal with God, don't be trying to take his splinter out of his eye on a choice that you don't understand that he made when you got this giant telephone pole of choices that you made that you can't even understand why. Why are you asking God why until you ask yourself why? Ooh, that's good. I wish I'd thought of that. I really do. That's so good. All right. Hallelujah. I love the anointing. All right, go to the next one. Now look, we saw this. That if uh, on this decision-making process, that there is other wisdom. How do you know? Because we make decisions based on other things in the Word, don't we? So that means that there, and wisdom is our decision-maker, our decider. Remember from last week. So there must be other deciders or wisdom out there for us to use as a filter. There must be other filters that we run stuff through. Now we saw this in Ephesians 4 and verse 17. It says this, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, This is the vanity of their mind, that they make decisions, we saw this in James, based on these three other wisdoms. Earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, and devilish wisdom. You all remember what that is? Remember, we'll start with sensual again. Sensual wisdom is that I make decisions based on what I see, what I hear, what I feel, what I smell, what I touch. Based on what I feel, I make decisions. Earthly wisdom is that I make decisions based on other people's experience, not my own, See, that's, making decisions on my own experience, a lot of that is the school of hard knocks. You learn, and I won't do that one again. But earthly wisdom is that I learn from other people's mistakes and other people's experience. Right? And then there's devilish wisdom, which we saw was decisions based on ambition, competition, which is really religion. Those three things. Ambition, competition, and religion. We saw that religion is really ambition and competition because what religion does is give you a set of behaviors to do to take the place of what Jesus did. So you're in competition with Jesus. And you're trying to raise yourself up above the Messiah. That's ambition, isn't it? That's the same thing that, that, that Lucifer did. So, now here, I've got to go over this again because we did it last week, but I don't think we really sunk in. Every decision we make, no matter how small, we run it through either wisdom from above, earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, or devilish wisdom. Every decision that we make. I don't think we would yeah, yeah, that's right. It ain't just the big ones. It's the little ones. And you know, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little decisions that will add up. The little one that you make right now that's faced in front of you, whatever it is. Let's say, I know, we come home from work and we flop down and we turn on the boob tube. We just made a decision. What wisdom did we use to make that decision? Was it devilish wisdom? It wasn't devilish wisdom because we're not trying to compete or be ambitious, are we? At that point, we're putting, parking our butt on the couch. There's no ambition involved in that. Right? Is there? No. So, is it earthly wisdom? 
No, it's sensualism because I'm doing what I feel like. Did you see that? Now, does that decision to flop down in front of the booth, does that bring life and does it bring peace? Does it bring financial health? Does it bring safety? It doesn't bring safety. Watching TV don't bring safety. I mean, they got, they got TVs everywhere on the planet, even in the middle of war zones. Watching them don't bring safety. See, so we go, even that. Now, I ain't trying to get on you, because I do too. I mean, there's times you need to rest. But then if you need to rest, then we run this through the filter of the word, wisdom from above. Is now a good time to rest? Is it time to rest and park my butt on the couch? Or is there other things that I need to be doing right now that need my attention? Because diligence comes from the wisdom of the word. He said slothfulness will bring poverty. Oh, that's so good. Why are we on welfare? It's lawfulness. Why do half the population want illegal immigrants here? Because they don't want to work those jobs. Well, I ain't trying to bust no, I'm just We're just changing spark plugs. Right? We don't feel it. But I want you to see how even little teeny decisions, are. But you base them, you run them through the filter of one of these four things. Wisdom from above, earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, devilish wisdom. How about this one? Now, that's not necessarily all bad, is it? How many know, because earthly wisdom is, you don't play on 85. <laughs> right? But then I said that last week, that, you know what, I don't let my kids play on 85, but how many know they could get run over by a car playing in my court? So now I need my conscience going, which is wisdom from above that tells me, don't let them play in the street right now, or get them in. Do you all follow that? See the difference? Now, uh, hallelujah, let me just rail on the education system for a second. Because what is the education system based on? Earthly wisdom. Right, and if it's Christian, it's based on what? Devilish wisdom. Every Christian school and Bible school is based on devilish wisdom that's out there, except maybe one or two, and I haven't come into them yet. They're all based on doing your checklist and doing behaviors, every single one of them. And the school system, public or, you know, if it's not Christian devilish wisdom, at least it's not devilish wisdom, why would you keep your kids in a, Christian, in a public school? Because at least it's earthly wisdom and not devilish. Amen. But I'm not trying to nail everybody, but listen, this is the truth. Because what we do is we're teaching our kids to make their decision based on either earthly wisdom or devilish wisdom. And you don't have to teach them sensual wisdom because we do that automatically. But we don't teach them how to make decisions based on the filter of the Word. Isn't that right? But we'll send our kids to school five days a week for six to eight hours a day. We'll bring them to church maybe if we feel like getting our butts out of bed and let them have an hour and a half. Right? What's the principal thing? It certainly isn't wisdom. Most people's principal thing is earthly wisdom or sensual wisdom or devilish wisdom, but it ain't wisdom from above. Now, because we do that, this is, this is what I do. This is what I do as a pastor. I'll sit down really and find out what, back it up to what decision you made and what wisdom you used to make that decision. And then it's easy to solve the problem. Isn't it? You can do it on your own. You don't need to call me. In fact, we should sit down and start analyzing all the decisions that we do make. If you want to meditate on something, meditate on that for just a little bit. Here's wisdom of the Word. Just look at your life and analyze how do I make my decisions. A lot of times we don't even know why we do it, how we do it. We just, what's that Nike commercial? Do it. Right? 
What happens if you make decisions based on earthly wisdom, wisdom, sensual wisdom, or devilish wisdom? In verse 18 of Ephesians 4, it says this, that you'll have the understanding darkened and you'll be alienated from the life of God. The Zoe life of God, it separates you. Every time you make a decision that is not based on the wisdom of the Word, you alienate and separate yourself from the Zoe life of God. Y'all, isn't that what that says? Then read it. It's not preacher's words. Isn't that what it says? That you'll be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them and the blindness or the hardness of your heart. Well, you can put in blindness or hardness, either one, because a lot of times we make decisions because we just ain't even thinking about it. We're blind to it. Enlighten the eyes of my understanding. That's why the Ephesians prayer, you'll start to see why and how you make decisions. You won't be blind to it anymore. Y'all follow this? The more that you're aware of what filter you're running your decisions through, the more you'll make the right, you'll use the right filter. You, you got that? See, if we just go f- floating through life just doing whatever, he said that's what people do that ain't even born again. But that's what most people in the body of Christ do. We just make decisions based on what other people think looks good, what we feel like doing, or what our religion teaches us. Isn't that real? I mean, that really sums up the body of Christ. No wonder we're in the position that we're in, that we don't have spiritual health, we don't have safety, we don't have financial health, we don't have physical health, and then there's the whole deal of mental health and emotional problems, and we don't have good relationships. See how it all just falls right into place? If you fix the one at the top, go with wisdom. Make your decisions based on the Word. It's not hard. It's not hokey. It's not weird. I don't have to have a light come down from heaven. Do this. You know it in real life, real time. And your conscience will tell you if it's not going with the wisdom of the Word. It'll tell you, no. It'll tell you. That's why we taught on that one first. Go to the next one. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 11. For we which live, we which have Zoe, are always, you say sometimes? No, always you're going to be delivered unto death for Jesus' sake or because of Jesus. So if you're going to live this Zoe life, if you're going to make your decisions based on the wisdom of the Word, you've got to know you've got a target on your back, always. But the good news is what? That you'll win. Because look, that the life, the Zoe of Jesus, might be made manifest in your mortal flesh. That it will be shown naked in your mortal flesh right here in my body. The same life that Jesus has, you'll see it right here. Does Jesus have financial health? Yes. Yeah, you'll see it in me then. When, I get, when I'm starting to always live in Zoe. When that's where I'm at. But always know this, that somebody's there ready to try and take shots at you. Weren't they always taking shots at Jesus? Tried to kill him a lot of times. They didn't kill him. He laid his life down. See the difference? Now, again with the might and the might not. Because here's what happens. We'll start out and we'll start making decisions based on the wisdom of the Word. Whenever we make this, when the light goes on, we'll start making decisions based on that. Then we'll start thinking that that we're living in Zoe because we'll start to see some results. But then something happens and whatever, we're blind to it, we're, whatever, we, we slip back into making a decision doing something we feel like or based on one of those other wisdoms. And next thing you know, we're not in Zoe and you think you are, but you're not. Guess what? You lose. Because now you're, you're cannon fodder for hell. Isn't that, real? Isn't that right? Well, go here to James 4. Go to the next one. We saw this last week. James 4 and verse 13. It says, Go to now, you people that say, Today... Or tomorrow, 
we're going to go into such and such a city and we're going to continue there and we'll buy and sell and we'll get game. We're going to go over there and start a business. Couple things. Does this have anything to, does this have anything to do with was this wisdom based on wisdom from above? Earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, or devilish wisdom? It wasn't wisdom from above because it says, you that say. So I know that if I, Jesus always did what the Father told him, isn't that right? So he did everything that the Father told him. That's wisdom from above. If you just decide one up on your own, is that wisdom from above? No, No, we're going to go over here and start a business. So they're using some other decision-making process than wisdom from above. Because it didn't say, now God said go over there and do that. It said, you said go over there and do that. You following that? And in verse 14 it says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Now let me ask you something. Do you know everything that's going to happen tomorrow? Does Satan know everything that's going to happen tomorrow? Does he know the future? No, he don't know the future any more than you do. He knows what he's going to do just like you know what you think you're going to do. But God's the only one that knows how everybody's actually going to choose how it goes down. I mean, because there's a lot of people's choices involved in everything that happens tomorrow. Just because you decide to go over there and buy and sell and get gain, I mean, if God didn't tell you to do that, it's because he knows certain people are going to make choices that are not going to make your business prosperous. Oh, this is good. Did you follow that? You just think one up and walk one out. If God didn't, God will tell you, and you know what? It may take a little while for everybody, for God to see there's a be a one day where everybody in your atmosphere makes the right choices for you to prosper. You better be listening for that day and don't miss it. Because how many know, getting everybody to make the right choice on the right day at the right time to make you prosperous, that small window. You found this. That's why we want to make every... See, if I'm practicing, I make every decision according to the wisdom of the Word, and then He tells me, go there, run it through the filter of the Word. God told me to do it, and I go there. He knows that everybody's going to make the right choice to make your business prosperous. How many know, but if you did it the day before or the day after, it could be a total failure, and probably will be. Do you see how... how this is just right there. You found that. How many know, if you're equal with God... You know, God had to do the same thing by putting Jesus here on the planet. Stuff had to line up exactly in the point of history when he could put Jesus here in Mary's womb. Couldn't be the day before, couldn't be the day after. All kind of stuff had to happen in order for it to come together at that point, and that was the perfect time. If he did it before, wouldn't have worked. If he did it after, wouldn't work. Look in world history. That's why we study world history. So as you can see, all the cultures came together. In Daniel, he talked about every, you know, the Babylonians, and then the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then Alexander the Great, and all the Greeks spread that culture throughout the world and made one language. Then the Romans took that over, and that's when Jesus could show up because now we all have one language. The world's one language. One culture. Jesus show up, boom, the church, bang, right on the scene. We had that for about 300 years after the church started. Exact timing. So God's in the same... He knows His business about when everybody's going to make the right choice and when they're not. So maybe we should listen to Him. Y'all follow this? So, He said, For what is your life, your zoe? See, I thought this was bios because it sounds temporary. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. No, it's instantly and constantly renewed. It's the life of Jesus. But it might or it might not be made manifest in my body. That's where I could see it. He's talking about, do you see it or not? Isn't he? He's not talking whether it exists or not. He says it's a vapor that it appears and then it vanishes. 
It appears and then it vanishes. Did it cease to exist? No. What happened is you made a decision with some other wisdom and so that Zoe can, it vanishes on you. Just like that. And you'd be like, how did I find myself here? You ever wonder that? How did I get in this mess? Why is my life the way it is? Well, let's back up and look at all the decisions that you made or you didn't make using the wisdom from above or other wisdom. Y'all following this? Now, I know I feel like I'm saying the same thing that we said last week, but I think it's so important that we need to hammer it again. Because every decision, little even do I plop down on the couch and watch TV. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But there might be, the timing of it might be wrong. Do y'all follow that? Same thing, everything we do. You might feel like you're doing nothing. Do you understand? You might feel like we've got to get out and do something. This thing's passing us by. If God didn't tell you to do it, then you better sit on the couch and watch TV. Because you could mess it up because you might be early. Right? If you have to hurry up and do something, you'll be early. So wisdom from the Word might be just sit down and watch TV. God would tell you to do that? Yes! Just like He might tell you, get up off the couch. We've got stuff to do. He knows what's on the mark. He knows when everybody's going to make the right choice for you to be in the right spot at the right time. We got that? This is huge. All right, go to the next one. For what you ought to say is whatsoever the Lord will, whatever God's agenda is for me, then I'll live, I'll walk in Zoe, and I'll do it, do this or I'll do that, whatever he says, do this and that. But right now, you all are rejoicing in your boastings, in your own plans, your own agenda. You're bragging on your own stuff, and he said, and all such rejoicing is evil. What's evil? Adversity, affliction, calamity. Right? Ill favor, anxiety, grief, harm, sorrow. If you're feeling anxiety, guess what? You ain't you, Is that peace? No. no. So you can back it up. Well, my Zoe ain't working. Why is my Zoe not working? It vanished away on me. Why? Back it up. What wisdom did I use and what decision did I make to cause me to be in this spot? So we've got to think about this stuff. Therefore, verse 17, him that knows to do good... I mean, you, know, you know to do beauty and bounty and better and the best. If you know to do that and you don't do it, it says it's what? Sin. You missed the mark. Hallelujah. Alright, go to the next one. I love this verse. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 4. For we that are in this tabernacle, we're in this body. It's a, a tabernacle was a tent. Remember the tabernacle and the temple was the permanent structure? Tent, not permanent. We're in this tent, this tabernacle, and we do groan. And we're burdened that we would not be unclothed, but that we'd be clothed upon that our mortality might be swallowed up by the life of the Zoe of God. Isn't that real? See, I don't want to die and get rid of my flesh and get to heaven. What I want my, I want my Zoe to swallow up my flesh, the part of me that dies, and just keep walking into life. That's what I want. Now, here's the question that really, isn't this the same question? That's, here's the question that's on our minds. Go to the next one. Matthew 19 and verse 16. You all know the rich young ruler? Alright, now look, let's look at that story. Because he asked the question that every one of us are asking right now. And behold, one came unto him saying, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Perpetual Zoe. Isn't that what we're asking? Alright God, what, what thing do I got to do to get this so that my... My, my mortality is swallowed up by life. What good thing do I got to do? Isn't that, that's what, isn't that the question on everybody's mind? Isn't it? Mine too? And so he goes to Jesus because he knows the life's in Jesus. This guy's in covenant. He's like, 
Jesus, just tell me, what's the magic, what's the magic, word? what is it? What's the magic words that I have to do? Yeah, jump up and down on the dog, one leg and bark, and then I get Zoe? What's the good thing that I have to do? Now watch how Jesus is. He cracks me up. Because, uh, watch how he does the misdirection. He misdirects and then he drops the bomb on it. And, 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 and people have been doing it. They'll read what Jesus said and they'll miss exactly what his point is because he does misdirection. Now he does that because he only wants the people that are seeking to find. You, you understand? He ain't casting his pearl before swine. Go to the next one. Verse 17. And Jesus said unto him, here's the misdirection. Why do you call me good? Now that ain't the question. Is that the question? The question is how do I, what good thing do I have to do? Good master, what do I have to do? Why you call me good? Hey, look, a bunny rabbit. Bright, shiny ball. Why you call me good? There's nothing good but one, and that is God. Then he drops the bomb on him. But if you'll enter into, lo- into life, keep the commandments. Now, I put it up there for you so you know. What are commandments? Rhema. Everybody know that that's Rhema? Psalm 103 and verse 20. Do we need to look at that to show that the Bible defines commandments as Rhema? Let's look at it. I know we know it, but there'll be somebody listening to this that doesn't. Because people, he, people do exactly what the rich young ruler does. He thinks when he hears commandments, he doesn't think commandments. What he thinks is the law. He think, when he heard Jesus say commandments, he's thinking ten commandments. He thinks the law, automatically. Isn't that what we do? That's why I want to remember that here's the key to having Zoe is that you keep the commandments, the rhema. Look at Psalm 103 and verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments. Then He says what commandments are. Hearkening unto the voice of His Word. Is that written word or spoken word? It's the voice of His Word. Is that written or spoken? So commandments are spoken words. So commandments are rhema. Did you all follow that? He didn't tell them keep the law. Did he tell him? And I, watch this. Come here. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus! I love when the light goes on. Galatians. Galatians. Hallelujah. Look at this. Galatians three and verse twenty-one. I want to wait till you all get there because this, this ain't preacher's words. This is important. Everybody got it? Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given Zoe, then righteousness, equity, would have come by the law. So you can't get Zoe by keeping the law, can you? No, Jesus said, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments, the rhema. Not keeping the law. See where we miss it? See, because he got us off in misdirection. Hey, why you call me good? Then he dropped the bomb in there. Did you see that? And now look back over here in Matthew 19 and verse 18. The rich young ruler says, well, which commandments? What's the answer? The answer really is what commandments? He said it. He already said it right here. Keep the commandments. Which ones? All of them. Don't you want to, every time God speaks to you, shouldn't you keep it? If he gives you raiment, shouldn't you do that one? Isn't that obvious? This guy, he don't know what he's talking about. Well, which ones? If he, that's because he's thinking the law immediately. So then Jesus goes, all right, well, you're thinking the law, let's throw some out. 
Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You shall not steal, neither shall you bear false witness. Go to the next one. You honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the young man said, All these things I have kept from my youth up, yet lack, what do I lack? Yet lack I, what do I lack? What, what, there's something still missing. He kept the law from his judgment. Jesus didn't say, no, you didn't. Did you notice that? Jesus never told him, no, you didn't. He said, I've kept the law. What do I lack? Well, you kept the law. You didn't keep the commandments. He knows he's still lacking something to get life. This is where most of the body of Christ misses it. We're trying to keep the law and there is no life in the law. Didn't we just read that in Galatians? Look over here in Romans. Chapter 8. Ah, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for the sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in those who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that mind they that are after the things of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. But to be carnally minded is death, but spiritually minded is life. He just said, carnally minded is doing the law. Did you see that? He just said that if you're doing the law, you're carnally minded. And I know that to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So it ain't keeping the law. Rich young ruler, he knows it because he did everything that the law says and he still knows he don't have Zoe. Y'all following that? What good thing do I have to do? Because I've done all these other good things that are in the law. Do you know what? God gave the law so He could give these people some kind of filter to make their decisions by. And the law, I mean, it gets really detailed on what to eat and how to eat it. I mean, very detailed. If you read, I mean, Kimmy's reading Leviticus and some guy got his testicles crushed, he couldn't come into the sanctuary. I mean, that's detailed, isn't it? What's that got to do with anything, God? He's spelling it down to the end. So listen, here's the filter. So it comes down, boop, you made the right decision. There's no life in it though. The life is in Jesus because Jesus died, bearing that about in my body that Jesus died. Now I can have the life that Jesus had. Rich young ruler, he's off. He's doing the law. See, and if you're not careful, you got off on the bright, shiny ball. Good man, who are you, why are you calling some good? And then you think you've got to do the law to have life. Isn't that what you've been taught reading this before? Have you ever seen this when you read this story before? No. All right, go to the next one. Verse 21, Matthew 19, Jesus says unto him, If you will be perfect... Now, let's just stop right there. Perfect is what? Mature, right? Isn't that what perfect is? Mature? Grown up? Full grown son? Look over here, right? Well, didn't we see this in Luke 6.40 a couple weeks ago? Am I jumping around too much for you? Six forty says this: The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Isn't that what he's calling the rich young Lord? He said, "If you want to be perfect and be as me, right? 
And that was that. He said, if you do, he said, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, if you're still looking bright, shiny ball, why do you call one good? And then you get to the law and you get through that and you know you don't have to do the law anymore. Now you're thinking the good thing that you have to do is give everything away. Isn't that what, really? Then who can have life? That's what the disciples asked. So let's keep reading. Go to the next one. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Barely, barely, I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he says over in Mark, let's look at that because I want to see that really what he's talking about. He misses it out here in Matthew. But over in Mark 10 is the same story. He tells exactly what that statement means. Because some people think that because you have money you can't get into heaven. Bright shiny bow. Verse 24, Mark 10 says, And the disciples were astonished at his words. Jesus answered them again and said unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It ain't that you got riches or you don't have riches. How many of you know there's a lot of people that don't have riches but they trust in them? Oh, yeah, the whole economy is set on people that trust. If you're an employee, you're trusting that the guy that's got the riches is going to pay you. You're trusting in his riches to cover your bills. Even if we don't have riches, we're trusting in somebody else's riches to cover our bills. Isn't that right? All right, so that's not, it's not that you have riches or not. He said, it's, if you trust in riches, it's going to be hard for you to get in the kingdom of God. Then Matthew 19 and verse 24 said, And again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Very small window. Isn't that what he's saying? Okay. Now look. Go to the next one. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Then who can be saved? Because it sounds like we've got to give up everything in order to get life. Isn't that what it sounds like? Because it ain't keeping the law. The one thing I lacked is I didn't sell everything and give it to the poor. He said, Jesus beheld them. He looked at them. Just looking at them. I mean, I bet there's a long moon of silence there. He's thinking, boy, what am I going to do with you? And he beheld them, and he said unto them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what's the key? To be with God. Or it says in the Greek, it's the word para, which means alongside of. So if you're going to do this thing, life, alongside of men, and do it how men do it, you ain't going to get Zoe life of God. But if you do it alongside of God, who you're equal with, and we make decisions like God does along with God, then what? It's possible. You all following that? All right, go to the next one. Then Peter answered, Peter's the only one bold enough to speak up, even though he knows he's going to get hammered. And I'm sure they're all like, Peter, ask him. Peter, hey, Peter. I don't say nothing, Peter, I'll ask. You know? Okay. Then answered Peter, and he said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? What do we get out of this deal? We did forsake all. Listen, when Jesus called 
Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were fishing, right? They had their bit. He said, come and follow me. He said they left everything. Left the business, left the nets right there, and took off. Now, you know, earthly wisdom would tell them, at least put your nets away. No, he said, no, we forsook everything and we came after you. What are we going to get then? And Jesus said, and verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me into the regeneration or the rebirth, when the Son of Man sit on the throne of His glory, you shall sit on twelve thrones judging the tribes of Israel. And every one, say that's me, that includes you if you do this, everyone that forsakes houses, brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit, obtain possession of everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now here's the whole deal about forsaking. Look, they still had the boats because I know at the end of Jesus' ministry, Peter said, I'm going fishing and he got back in his boat. So did he sell it and give it to the poor? No, he still had it. I know he still had a wife and he had a house because that's where they stayed. Remember his mother-in-law was sick and Jesus healed her? Right? What he did was, forsake means everything else gets on the back burner, but whatever Jesus' agenda, God's agenda is, that's my front burner. Wisdom is the principal thing. Y'all following that? Do you see how it goes back around? If you don't make wisdom the principal thing, if you're, you don't make decisions based on the Word and based on rhema, because that's what Jesus said in the beginning, if you want to have life, keep all the commandments, keep all the rhema. When God directs you to do something, you do it. Not, I'll get to it in a little while, because how many know He knows when everybody's making the right choices to get you in the right place at the right time. If you're not making those decisions, you won't be where you're supposed to be to get what He's trying to get to you. That's why it's important not to do a checklist, but it's important to make our decisions based on the Word all the time. Because how many know, the whole time it says, your life is like a river in His hand. He moves it back and forth. Why is He moving it back and forth? Because He's trying to line you up to where all the choices are being made in your favor. And when you do it, you bang, it'll look like you're going the wrong way. Oh, over there's where I want to be and it'll look like you're going this way. And then the river will come back around and there'll be a waterfall and you'll be right there where you're supposed to be because it's easier to play what? Catch up than it is clean up. Y'all, is this helping anybody? Because this is huge. See, if I make every decision, I run it through the filter of the Word and I keep every commandment. Every time He tells me to do something, I do it immediately because how many know the window of opportunity is small? I have a needle small. In order to hit that blessing, boy, you've got to be right on it. This is why it's so important that the number one thing that we do is get the Word. Because if you don't get the Word, you can't get Rhema. The Word is the first step in getting Rhema. Do you remember that from the Faith series? That Logos will provide you with the thoughts and the imaginations that will make a belief system. And if you're not making your thoughts line up with His thoughts, what are you going to get? Come over here to Luke 14 while we're on the war path, right? Since we're here, we might as well finish it out, right? Luke 14 and verse 25. Here's Jesus. And there was great multitudes with them. That's a lot of people. He's got a big crowd. 
Because He's feeding them and He's healing them. Now, I mean, do any of them who were healed and are getting fed, do they have the Zoe life of God? We're going to find out who does and who doesn't real quick. Because watch how He thins the herd. Because I know if in order to have life, the Zoe life of God, He said, keep all my commandments, my rhema. Now He's going to give these folks and these multitudes that are all with Him some rhema. If they keep the rhema, they get life. Right? If they don't, they're going to go away sad. Like who? The rich young ruler. He turned his back on the Zoe life of God. What a dope! But that's a choice. What wisdom did he use making that choice? But we say, oh, you're a dope. But really? No, we, we would never we'll sell everything that I have and give it to the poor. What would I have then, God? If that was the rhema for you, how many know he's going to... It's because he's setting you up to get way more than what you got. He would never give you Raymond that would be detrimental to you. Then, and here you go. Then if you can't understand that, then you don't have spiritual health. You don't understand that God's not trying to hammer you, that you're on an equal plane with Him. Is He going to try and hammer Himself? Would He try to put Himself in poverty? Isn't it impossible for God to be in poverty? Why would you think that if you're equal with Him, He's going to put you in poverty? He's not. It's like putting Himself in poverty. In fact, it is putting himself in poverty because it says in the Ephesians prayer that the inheritance of Jesus is in the saints. Jesus' inheritance is when you do good. Alright, so here we go. So he tells the multitudes, he turns to them, and then he said, here comes some rhema. If any man come to me, look out now, any man, any man or woman, because man's in italics. So if any come to me and hate not his father or his mother or his wife, or his children, his brethren, his sisters, yea, even his own soul, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his self-denial, his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits down not first and counts the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it, lest happily, after he had laid a foundation, and not be able to finish it, that everybody will behold it and begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build but was not able to finish. Or what king is going to make war against another king, sits down not first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet and beat him that comes against him with 20,000? Or else, when the other is a far way off, he sends an ambassador and desires condition of peace. So likewise, whosoever he of you that forsakes not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Uh, what? I mean, no, I'll bet the crowd got really small. Because what's Jesus saying? He's using hyperbole. He is making it, he's taking it all the way to the max, isn't he? You don't hate everything in your life. What he's saying is, if anything comes in after me, because Jesus is the Word, and the Word is wisdom, and wisdom is the principal thing, and if he's not first, you won't use that filter to make your decisions. I said this in healing school the other day. If, I had used what I thought was best for my children, right, to make them, I would never have pastored this church. Because they suffered a lot because of what God told me to do. How many of you know that's what it looks like to me now, but there'll be great blessing for them because God would never tell me to do something that would mess my kids up. Just like He wouldn't tell me to do something to mess me up. So anybody's thinking, well, I couldn't do that, then you can't have the Zoe life of God operate in your life. And you will die, and you'll go to heaven, and it'll be faster than the rest of us. And you won't enjoy nothing while you're here. 
Because you won't have peace. You won't have safety. You should always sleep light. I'll just tell you that. Sleep light. Right? Because you always... You ain't got no hedge of protection then. You don't have financial health. You won't have physical health. You always better be looking over your shoulder, washing your hands a lot, because you never know what you might catch. Don't, don't get on commercial air. You know those people sneeze up there, and you know you will get sick. Don't drink the water at the pool. Right? And on and on and on. All right, so come over here to back up a couple pages to Luke 9. Now, you also, those were words that were written in red that I didn't say them. Because, you know, if, if I said them, boy, people throw rocks at you. Then that not what they did with Jesus. Is, this any, is the covenant and life and Zoe and peace anything to mess around with? Is it a game? Not according to Jesus. He said, you know what, before you come to me, you better count the cost. Because here's the cost. The cost is you do your agenda and you put it in the trash can. You do my agenda and you'll get riches and honor, which is the word glory. Y'all remember glory? Wealth, commerce. You get all that plus life. Well, which one's better? It's an easy choice, but hard to make. Why do people not choose it? I don't know. All right, here we go. Uh, where did I say? Chapter uh, 9, verse 57. Now watch this. Here we go, Jesus again with his stuff. And it came to pass that as they went, a certain man... So here they are just walking. <laughs> Jesus and his disciples, ministry team, going from one village to the next. And here comes a guy and he says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, did Jesus say, come follow me? See, he told the disciples, come follow me. Remember that? Drop everything you have, come follow me. He told the rich young ruler, sell all you have and come follow me. He's just walking here and this guy says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. That'll be a hint that he ain't. I've had a ton of people, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and then they're not here. I'll be here, I'll be banging on your door on Sunday morning, sitting at your kitchen table, getting my word, they ain't anywhere to be found. And on and on and on, right? Someone comes up to you and says this, red flag should go off. They're not. If they were, they would have just done it instead. What, what, could he have just got in with the pack and, and just got in with the pack and just followed him? Instead of making a big show and telling everybody, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you. Why don't you just do it? Okay. So then Jesus looks at this guy and he says, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said, look, foxes got homes, and they got a place of, you know, safety and security. Birds have homes and a place of safety and security. Me, I don't. Now, I mean, this is, this is uh, indicative of how your life with Jesus is going to be, because it's going to seem like you ain't got no safety or security. I'm, t- I'm living proof. I haven't had any safety or security in the natural for like three years now in the form of a paycheck. Right, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something I don't know nothing about. He said, look, you follow me, it's going to seem like you ain't got nowhere to lay your head. But that's the front end of it. So you've got to count the cost. Is, that, is it worth me seeming like it's going to, well, let me put it this way, it's going to be very uncomfortable if you follow Jesus. You're going to be on the edge. It's like extreme sports. All the time. If you're an adrenaline junkie, it's great. 
Okay, if you're not, you might be like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, so, but that's what he's telling this guy. Know it up front, but the rewards are huge. All right, so then, that's what he says to that guy. Then they keep walking. Verse 59. Then he sees a guy, and he says, follow me. He picks a guy out of the crowd and says, follow me. Now, if Jesus walked in here today physically and he said, follow me, and he picked one of us out of the crowd, wouldn't we be like, woo? Would I mean, what would you do? I mean, I'd forget everything, wouldn't you? Like, man, Jesus right here, he said, follow me. You know what's going to He takes this guy out of a crowd on the side of a road somewhere. Talk about getting your big break. Right? Better than a Hollywood scout finding you. Here's his big role. Follow me. He's going to make him one of the disciples, the inner circle. Uh, but he said, Lord, suffer me or allow me first to go and bury my father. Now, I didn't say his dad was dead. He's going to go home and hang out with his dad till he's dead. I mean, now, I know people that have been dying for like 12 years. You know? Oh, this and oh, that and oh, the other thing. And Jesus said to him, okay. Is that what he said? No, he said, let the dead bury their dead. He said, if you want life... You gotta quit hanging out with dead people. No, you didn't catch it. If you want Zoe, quit hanging out with dead people. Let the dead bury the dead. I'm offering you Zoe life, the life to have your mortality swallowed up. That's what Jesus is offering. He said, "No, nah, you know, I got stuff to do. I got family obligations. Don't we make decisions based on that sometimes? Instead of what God wants, if I made decisions based on family obligations, we would never have done what we're doing right now. Wouldn't have happened." He said, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury... Do not use... So what kind of wisdom was this guy using? It was either earthly wisdom or sensual wisdom. And it might even have been devilish because religion will tell you families first. I don't know which one it was, but I know it wasn't wisdom from above because Jesus said, if you want to have life, keep the commandments. And he tells this guy, what rhema do you get? Follow me. Nah, I got a thing. And then verse 61, he said to an, and then another one comes. So now they're walking. So one guy says, I'll follow you. Jesus says, follow me to another one. Now they're walking again. Here comes another guy. And another one said, Lord, I'll follow you. And it's probably a guy standing right next to him who didn't get picked in the crowd that probably wanted to. What do you think? Maybe his friend? He said, I'll, I'll follow you, Lord. Me, 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 over here. Pick me, 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 me. But, oh, uh, you big dummy, you just lost it right there. But, do we ever say that? Yeah, and, and this is how we make our decisions. We say, we lie to ourselves and trick ourselves into thinking we're making the right decision because we're, quote, quote, we say we're willing to do it, but there's always the but, and then we do something else. And we defer carrying out the action that would make the decision. This is what he's asking for, a deferment. I'll follow you, but first... Now, who's supposed to be first? Seek ye first the kingdom. But first, let me bid them farewell, which are at my home and at my house. Now, that doesn't seem like it's an unreasonable thing. Well, he's asking, let me go take care of business. Let me tell everybody by that I'm following you. It seems like Jesus is asking a lot. If he doesn't let this guy do that, wouldn't you think that, I mean, even though... Even in the military, they let you say goodbye before they ship you out. Don't they? He said, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looked back, is fit 
for the kingdom of God. Okay, so we want life. I want my mortality swallowed up by Zoe. But do I want to make the decisions that will get it to me? Do I want to make wisdom, which is the Word, which is Jesus, the principal thing, the first thing? There is no but first, anything else? See, that's, that's, are we willing to do that? And then, and then not just willing to do it, you actually got to do it. And then you get riches, honor, and life. That's when you get it, is after you made the decision. And I'll tell you what, if you decide today to do it, it ain't going to fall on you tomorrow. Because you've been making decisions in the past and you're living with the, the result of decisions you made in the past. Y'all following this? So if you decide today and you get on track, you can't get off it now. Because if you do and you start making decisions again the way you did before, you'll continue to have the stuff that you had before. You can't be like, well, two days this will happen and two weeks this will happen and two days... No, I don't know how long it'll be because now you're finally getting how many of these did you miss where God was setting you up to where everybody was making the right choice to benefit you. How many of those did you miss in the past? And how long does it take for all the planets to align, for lack of a better term, that everybody's going to make the right decisions for you and you to be in the right... I don't know how long it takes. Only God does. That's why every time He says do something, we do it, even if it seems like there's no benefit to it right now. Man, I mean, you can see why they killed Jesus, can't you? I mean, was he nice? Not really nice. Yeah, Kimmy's back there with the machine gun. He just said, great multitudes, and then he just drops a bomb on her. He just lets loose with a 50 cal. And see who's left. And now, I mean, that's basically what he did. That's why the percentages are very small for the people that get life and get peace and get financial health and get physical health. And there's multitudes that unless I'm not the rich young ruler, what good thing do I have to do? Just tell me the magic potion. And if it's something that's too great, then I'll go away sad, but I'll still go away. You know how many people, I mean, they walk away from healing. They walk away from riches and prosperity. They walk away from good relationships. They walk away from being fitly joined. They walk away from life sad but they still they don't get All right, you're sad. So what? What does that bring? Sad is on the evil list. Isn't it? Sorrow? That's not beauty, bounty, better, and the best. The finest. The finest. I want good stuff, and I want you to have I want you to have the best. That's what God wants you to have, the best stuff that's on the planet. He don't want wicked folks having it. He wants you having it. The, the way to get it, is just put him first and put the word first and make your decisions based on how he says to make them. Now we say that, yeah, yeah, oh, that's so good, but then real life, real time, we'll go back tomorrow and we'll instantly go back to making decisions based on how we used to make them. Without even thinking about it, we'll make decisions. Tomorrow, here's the decision. Do I turn on talk radio or do I put in praise and worship? That's a little decision. I mean, but that one can set you up for the next one. If you hear an evil on the talk radio, or you're getting a good report worshiping God. Doesn't that affect how you... See, and I don't care if you listen to talk radio or you listen to praise and worship. It doesn't matter to me what you do. What matters is that you 
understand what decision you're making and what's your relationship with God. I can't tell you what to do. You get rhema from Him, not me. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I don't care what you do. I'm going to get riches, honor, and life. Whether you do is your choice. Maybe we'll look at that next week. Because it really all comes down to you choosing life. Nobody can pick it for you. You know, I can't even pick it for my spouse. She can't pick it for me. I can't pick it for my kids. What I can do is lay it out for them. So that, and that's what Jesus said. He lays it out for us. So here's all the good stuff. Here's all the benefits to life. Aren't they big? They're huge, the benefits to life. We say we all want them, but we just want to be like the rich young ruler. What's the good thing that i got to do? What's the magic pixie dust that i got to do to get it? Because he knew keeping all the law wasn't helping him none. So dump the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. Religion, dump it. That's devilish wisdom. Y'all found that? Alright, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I thank You for coming alongside us this week, bringing it back to our remembrance when we need it. Prick our hearts when we're about to make a decision based on other wisdom than Yours. Help us out. You're the helper. Help us make the right decision. Even if we feel a pinprick of pain. Hallelujah. Father, we set our hearts towards You. We set our hearts towards life and towards riches and honor. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.